My name is Andrea Carpenter and I'm the Director of Women Talk Real Estate and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with the mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. ULI's European Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding contributors to the industry, hailing them as the new real estate vanguard. These are people in the early years of their career who have already demonstrated entrepreneurial flair or shaken up the corporate world. We'll use these podcasts to hear from each of them about their story, what brought them to real estate and how they are disrupting our industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Reza Merchant, CEO of The Collective. Reza's vision and tenacity has seen him involve an accommodation rental agency for students into an entirely new residential format, co-living. The Collective's aim is to bring people together in shared living and working spaces, but also for them to be part of a community. The ideas behind co-living are already influencing the whole residential sector as Reza's business continues to roll out its ambitious pipeline in the US and UK. Reza, hello and thank you very much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for having me. So I think you've already made quite an impact in the real estate industry quite quickly. So I suppose I really wonder whether your business came about because of the idea that you had or whether you were interested in real estate from the beginning. The idea was very much born out of personal experience. Um, you know, having been a young person in London and been through that nightmare process that we all go through of trying to find accommodation, you know, getting ripped off by agents, paying kind of over the odds for really, frankly, like substandard um, quality and, you know, it just being a nightmare of a process overall. That it was, it was shocking to me that that was the status quo um, for something that is a necessity, right? We, everyone needs a roof over their heads. And so that it was really the, the experience and the identification of the problem that then led to the start of the business rather than, oh, I'm interested in real estate. Because I guess we very much view real estate as the vehicle through which we deliver our purpose and our mission. Did you then see yourself as a disruptor? Was it kind of surprising that no one had done this before? And, and is that different from being the entrepreneur that you are? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was surprising to me that no one had seen it, but I guess the world the world is changing rapidly. People's people's behaviors, people's needs are evolving, and and I think the real estate industry generally, you know, isn't a fast moving, evolving industry, right? And I also believe that because there's such a huge shortage of space in cities, um, it, one can get away with creating pretty average products and it will go yeah because you've just got such a demand supply and balance um, that exists so i think the need to disrupt and innovate to make money from real estate um you know hasn't been there historically so it took an outsider to see that opportunity really yeah i think it took you know i went through the experience felt the pain and therefore saw the need for it in terms of like disruptor entrepreneur i, I think they're you know, I think about the two in a very similar way. I think the greatest um, companies and entrepreneurs, you know, are ultimately solving a problem that society has. Um, 
and you know that are willing to basically dedicate their their life and everything they have in, into solving that problem, which has really been my life's work over the last ten years. You know, as soon as I started the, the company when I was you know still at university, twenty one years old, I've I've been all in ever since, and I I think that's um, to me that's a key component about entrepreneurship um, and how you know how to do something successfully because you know when you're doing something new you're going to get people every day telling you that what you're doing is impossible and what you're doing doesn't make sense because they don't they don't necessarily see the problem um and they don't they don't see the same they don't have the same vision and viewpoint otherwise they'd all be doing it yeah, and I, um, I th- and so I think yeah. yes, and I think that entrepreneurial instinct you have is not one that everyone has as well. And as you said, you were still at university when you started what was um, a rental accommodation agency. So, do you think running a business was always the plan? And you know, this is how it evolved for you as you as you kind of exited business school. You know, when I was when I was young, um, I was always I was always doing entrepreneurial things right right from when I was seven, eight years old, I'd, I'd go pick apples in the, from the apple tree at home. And, you know, I'd go sell them, you know, at the end of the road, or I'd go wash cars, um, you know, at a very young age. And I think that was really driven by the fact that, you know, my, my father, who's, who's my biggest inspiration, to be honest, you know, he came to, he came to the UK with 50 pounds and a passport, um, and you know, started from nothing, hmm. um, working in pubs, cleaning toilets, etc., and then built his own business. And I, and I saw the dedication he put into the business. You know, early early mornings, late nights, putting everything on the line for the company. And so I think you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up in that environment. And so that kind of entrepreneurial instinct, I guess, I, I learned by osmosis. Yeah, it sounds like the the perfect training ground. Your father really led by example there. So I suppose, you know, as you looked at kind of college, did you think afterwards, okay, I'm going to get a regular job or I think I'm actually going to be an entrepreneur? The, the, the moment will yes. come to me. Actually, when I, in my first couple of years of university, I didn't have a set plan. I went to the London School of Economics and everyone around me was, was, you know, going and applying for these investment banking jobs, you know, at the time, at the time that was the goal, right? You mm. go to, go to university, become an investment banker. That was like the ideal career path. And to be honest, for the first couple of years, I, I was just kind of doing the rounds, right. And almost, almost like mindlessly just following everyone else. The tipping point actually was a, a trip that I did to Thailand in my second year of university. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I traveled around Thailand for three weeks uh, by myself, which was a very daunting prospect at the time, but it was the best thing I ever did. And having done that, I my horizon was just massively expanded. And I, I realized that, wow, you know, there's so much to see in the world, so much to experience in the world. And I want to do something with my life that's going to fulfill me and that's going to challenge me and that's going to inspire me um, rather than just, you know, doing a regular nine to five. And so I came back from that trip with renewed invigoration, I guess, for, for life and what I wanted to do. And actually, surprisingly, my, my first thought was, you know what, I'm actually going to go to South America. And when I graduate, go to South America, see the world 
um, and you know lead a more kind of nomadic life. And it was it was really kind of in in my last year, sort of sat there with with some friends, and we were just talking about the nightmare that we had been through in the last few years, and how there was there was a real problem that needed to be solved here. Instead of in talking through that with a couple of friends, we then decided to set up the business at the time. And so it was very much a kind of spur of the moment, impulsive decision. I guess one that as soon as I made that decision, you know, it's just been completely all in ever since. Yeah, I'm really interested that you obviously made that decision. You had the vision, but it was the case that you hadn't run the business apart from your apples and washing cars and things. So, and obviously the student accommodation, you know, agency was setting up. So how do you establish yourself as a credible leader at that point to investors and to you know try to get financing all those different things that usually require track record yeah i mean look that's that was a uphill task people people clearly looking at me and thinking okay kind of young kid what does he think he's doing Mm. um and i think it's it's like relentless persistence in the pursuit of what you believe in um and and being able to, you know, as soon as you get a knock or someone says no, you get straight back up and you actually use that to motivate you to work even harder. I was just relentlessly persistent in that in that pursuit. And then, so I, one of my favorite quotes is, is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And the way I, the way I think about that is that if you continue to persist, work hard, you know, in what you believe, that's the preparation and and eventually the opportunities will come up right because you mm. do have people who feel and see what you're doing and want to get on board and want to help and and how did the real estate industry um did they how were they treating you at the time did they take you seriously as you were really trying to come in and change the world of accommodation for young people you know it was it was difficult at first um but it's all about action it's all about delivery you know, when you actually start to deliver results and, you know, when we started to deliver our first physical product, right, which was the kind of house shares that we were doing in 2011, people start to see the success of that. Then that's how credibility builds. And so it's, it's all about it's all about specific outcomes and delivering action because no, no one can argue with, you know, successful performance and like tangible outcomes. Okay. And so now you've gone from startup to sort of institutionally backed market leader. I mean, that takes a different style of leadership. So you personally, how do you think you're evolving as your business grows? I've had to evolve and transform you know, over the last 10 years. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that business transformation starts with transformation at the individual level. I had to continuously learn and evolve, you know, gone from being the person that does everything right from cleaning the toilets to paying the invoices to going and letting out rooms, you know, to having kind of teams of people that, that do that. And it's really kind of, it's learning by doing, surrounding yourself with people that have the experience in, in similar fields, I think is really important. And then it's about being, being a sponge. You know, so I've always surrounded myself with, um, you know, great mentors and advisors and, and experienced people and, you know, just just learn and absorb as much as possible so that I can then evolve my own um, 
by way of doing things. And, you know, as you scale, you know, now we're kind of, you know, an international company across the US, UK and Germany, um, you know, with over 200 people, it then also becomes about, you know, processes, systems, and really having very rigorous and solid systems and processes in place. Um, but also having the, having the team in place that has the relevant experience, right, in, in managing global businesses, managing projects at scale, you know, managing sort of hundreds of millions of, of pounds of, you know, institutional investor money. So I, I think it all starts with the people, right? And it's like ensuring you, we have, you have the right people, you know, for the roles that you need them to fulfill. Um, and, we, and with the relevant experience. And I, I also often use the analogy of the player and the coach, right? Mm -hmm. And the way I see my role is I, I, have to, I have to be able to play both roles, right? I have to be able to be on the sidelines, directing and guiding people, but also like getting stuck in, right? And, and in the field, the rest of the players. And I think that duality I think is key in an entrepreneurial business. I think in general in life as well, having that kind of duality is, is key yeah but do you did you find it difficult to start to let go of things when it got when things got bigger you you like well this is my company but i have to suddenly have teams do this and report to me it suddenly feels like a very different environment for you yeah it, it is very different and the way i get around that is by wanting to hire people that are smarter than me right there are people that are smarter than me more experienced than me i feel comfortable in letting go when someone else is there who, who is frankly better than me, right? At, at fulfilling a certain role. I think that's the key. That's why it all starts with the people. And, and you sort of now have many imitators in the co-living space or competitors, whatever you want to call them. How will you keep the collective ahead of those? Yeah, great question. So I think firstly, it starts with never getting complacent, you know, and having a having a deep desire and kind of almost a restless focus on constant improvement, constant evolution in how we do things, the product that we create, that that's key, right? Because I think if, I, I always believe that we should compete against ourselves first and foremost, because that, that leaves room for improvement every single day, right? It, Every day you can you can improve and be better compared to what you were yesterday. I think the other aspect is what we bring as a business or what, what we stand for is is really uh, the kind of intersection of what we call profit and purpose. Profit being very important to build a sustainable company, deliver investor returns, and have the financial resources there to build projects hire people, invest, et cetera. And, you know, being able to do things at scale, being able to raise capital at scale, um, being able to execute at scale across multiple geographies, you know, all of that is key to deliver the vision. But at the same time, our goal is, our end goal is not profit. We exist to ultimately make a positive difference to people's lives and ultimately create a way of living that is, is fundamentally meeting the needs of people on middle incomes and is providing a level of quality and experience and community, um, you know, to the average person on a middle income um, 
at a global scale that you know currently just simply isn't isn't available and and it's been um a challenging year 2020 for everyone really and i think it's sort of highlighted about our living spaces sometimes you know some other social issues and as you look at your business model and what you want to achieve for people does does the what's happened with the pandemic open up your eyes to other issues that you'd like to to use the collective to help definitely beginning of the pandemic there was obviously all of this talk and worry about okay like are people you know people are going to want to be in isolation um, you know, for the foreseeable future and not living community and et cetera. And I think what, what the pandemic has shown us is that actually we are simply not wired to be in isolation as human beings, right? Mental health issues have gone through the roof. Um, and I've, I've experienced firsthand, right, how unpleasant it is when you're kind of locked up and un- unable to interact with people for an extended period of time. And it, I think it just reinforces, you know, the need the need for community and the need to be surrounded by like-minded people, um, you know, it's, it's just being a fundamental building block of life, right? And 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 an art, and a fundamental um, kind of driver for actually enabling fulfillment, right? Because we we can't we can't do that in isolation. You know, I also think that the whole trend around flexible working, remote working, has massively accelerated. I think as we think about our living environments, you know, providing, continuing to provide and actually doubling down on state-of-the-art kind of workspaces, um, you know, is, is key. Um, and it's another differentiator, right? Because if, if, if you live in a house share, for example, that's no work environment, you know, either be stuck in your bedroom or be in a kind of shared kitchen diner with four or five other people. Right. Um, you know, it's just not great. And even if you, even if, you know, you can afford to have your own studio apartment, again, like just being stuck in a studio flat all day long in isolation, that's no good. So I think the perfect balance and solution is that yes, have your own private space, dedicated private living space, but then have access in the same building, you know, to a range of, of, of extensive amenity spaces. Um, and different places where you can work from. Okay, so it's reinforced the model for you, really, of, for the way that people live. Correct, hundred okay. percent. And and I think we're you know this kind of more global, mobile lifestyle. I think I think we're going to see that more and more. And so uh, what we're building is really a global network of spaces, so that if if someone is a member of the collective, they don't just have access to housing in in one city. They have access to housing in in major gateway cities right across across the U.S. and Europe, um, and and that and that's accessible to the average person, you know, to to people that are on thirty to fifty k a year, not just to you know millionaires that can afford to have homes in in different locations. Okay, and um, sort of talking about the pandemic, how was twenty twenty for you and? How do you think the experience of running a business through that kind of crisis will serve you in the future with your your work? Yeah, so look, it, it was honestly like one of the toughest periods, I've, if not the toughest period, you know, I ever ever faced. Um, you know, being being in isolation, right, and not not being able to kind of be with the team, with other stakeholders in person, was was hugely challenging. Um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, 
particularly given that our business is, is built around community and bringing people together. So that, that was, you know, that was a challenge. And we, and we had to very quickly pivot our member experience, you know, cause uh, I mean, for large parts of the pandemic, our, our gym and our pools were closed. You know, we, we were able to keep open our amenity spaces, but on capacity restrictions, we couldn't have events. So we had to make some pretty um, kind of quick and, you know, meaningful pivots. You know, so for example, our, our restaurants were closed, but we, we created a kind of uh, contact-free room service option so that people could get safe food delivered to their door. You know, we created an essential store so that, again, people could kind of have their essentials delivered to them without needing to leave. You know, we had to do extra deep cleaning in the amenity spaces, have capacity restrictions for people. Our events program had to go um, digital. Um, and then, you know, even, even, you know, as lockdown measures got, got lifted, you know, we were still could only do kind of events for six people. And so, yeah. and so looking forward uh, with the company, what are your ambitions for the collective in the next few years? Yeah. So look over the next few years, it's, it's kind of, it's very much building out what we're already building, right? Which is this kind of global network of high quality, convenient, community centric um, accommodation. For those on middle incomes you know in in gateway cities okay and um what about for yourself do your own ambitions just uh, align with what the collective ambitions are or are there things that you want to do differently sure so very much continuing to build out you know the global network of spaces they have in sort of gateway cities across europe and the us really yeah seeing them kind of come to life and come to fruition deliver that kind of yeah that global housing offering uh, for those on on middle incomes. And also the way we think about our buildings is it's much more than just a roof um, over someone's head, but it's we're really aiming to create cultural destinations wherever we are with the beds obviously come, the amenity spaces, you know, the, the other kind of the ground floor offerings. And so it's, yeah, really creating cultural destinations in, in the cities that we're in that, that that also don't displace local community. So I think traditional development often, you know, will simply just displace uh, local community and not provide them opportunity. Whereas for us, what's really important is creating environments where local community can benefit from those spaces, right? So we have our, you know, our, our foundation, for example, you know, gives um, grants to local community groups and in where we are developing projects and we're we're engaging with them to find out what how how can our space contribute to them what what can we create within our developments that meets their needs um, and yeah how can we kind of collaborate and provide space for them so to make sure you're much more grounded in your communities where you are yeah exactly and you know it's a win win because a it provides opportunity for local people rather than you know them being forced out of the area. And, and B, it makes for a much more interesting place to be in, you know, rather than just a kind of soulless, shiny place. Um, you know, I think people are drawn to authenticity and, you know, authentic environments. But actually, when you go there, you really feel the local flavor um, and you're meeting interesting local people. Um, so I think that's something that's very important to us. And that, you know, we, we learn a lot in how to do that from, you know, our, um, one of our companies makeshift. So we 
I've been the leader investor in, in Makeshift, you know, since 2015. And Makeshift has done projects such as Pop Brixton, Peckham Levels, and now Hackney Bridge. And, and really Makeshift's goal is to create these vibrant community-led hubs where, where they're providing space for local independent businesses. You know, so if you take Pop Brixton as an example, you know, it's a kind of 50 odd shipping containers that we built. Um, and all of the all of the businesses that occupy the containers there are independent and 70% of them are local, right, from that local area. Okay. And um, what advice would you have for someone starting out in real estate? And maybe I'll uh, change that to someone who's an entrepreneur in real estate. What advice would you give them? Yeah, so I would say think big, you know, don't, don't let a more cons- don't let the conservatism of of people in the industry hold you back from thinking big, right? Because there there are like major issues that um, the real estate industry can solve, right? If you, if you think about the impact of buildings, architecture, and space on our on the world, it's massive, right? You, t- you, t- you take out buildings from it from a city, there there is no city. So I think I think real estate can have such a profound impact on people's lives, um, and and the way the way in which um, people are living life, people are consuming, um, you know, behavioural trends is shifting so quickly, and so don't be afraid to think big, and to re- and to really hone in on hone first in on like what are the problems that need to be solved, right? What are what are cities not currently providing? You know, what is kind of traditional real estate not currently providing and then and then you can work back to what the real estate solution needs to be i think it goes back to what you told us about that you didn't like the status quo of something so you really looked at where that was the problem and and then what was the solution to change that so i think that you know as you say focus on the problem and what the solution is and how real estate helps that it's great advice. Exactly. And and to help them on their way, can you recommend a business book or a podcast or something that similar has inspired you? There was a book I read some years ago. Um, it's pretty, quite a basic book. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the reason why I found it so impactful was because it, it talked about this concept of the circle of influence, right? And, and really the message was, only care about things that you can influence. Um, and it sounds simple, but it's very easy in life to, to feel controlled by external factors and to feel like you cannot influence external factors, right? And that, that they are driving you and they are kind of controlling your destiny. And what this book really put into perspective for me was like, we control our destiny, right? And no matter what external factors come in the way, we ultimately have the choice to make decisions. Um, and, you know, we're in control of our destiny. And I think that mindset is so important uh, because otherwise, if you feel like you're being controlled by external factors, you know, it's, it's very easy to, you know, just go on a downward spiral. So that, that was a great book I'd recommend. I've learned most actually from, from experiencing life. So I very much like to do things and experience things rather than kind of uh, reading and researching and you know a big journey i've been on is around is around personal development and growth and you know i think i said earlier like i think business transformation starts from individual transformation 
And I think there's no end to how how much we as human beings can grow and evolve and learn. Like there is there is no end. And that, that's the beauty of life, you know? No matter how, how hard we work, what we achieve, there's no end to how much we can grow and evolve. And for the last five years, I've actually been going to this place in Costa Rica called Pachamama. Well, I would describe it as a, as a school self-development. So you go there to basically work on yourself um, and, and dive deep into yourself, into your subconscious, and, and really just expanding your awareness, right, about the, the behaviors and traits that you've picked up through life, how you pick them up, um, and, and how you can almost kind of start to unlearn habits and kind of rewire and reprogram your brain and yourself to, to enable that constant growth and evolution. And that, that for me has been a really incredible, um, like environment. And I've kind of actively taken back those teachings and those people to London to expose them to the team and others close to me. And yeah, I, I would highly recommend visiting there for, for anyone. And I, yeah, as I say, for me, like experiences like that have generally taught me more than, than reading books. Reza, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really fantastic to talk to you and I really appreciate you spending time with us. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website. Thank you.